Good morning, good morning. What a beautiful Sunday morning the Lord has given to us to start revival. I know, I know that we probably need some rain, but I'm glad that the weatherman has predicted we're not going to get it this week. Uh, so it's going to be a great week for us. Uh, looking forward to a revival meeting with uh, Brother Dave Young. Exciting time. If you're visiting for the first time, please stop by the uh, Welcome Center, and we have, a, uh, we have a gift for you and want to uh, welcome you officially. If you're visiting online for the first time, uh, sptnd.org slash contacts. Let us know you're out there. It's always an encouragement to hear from you. Yeah, the overflow today is A to E. This is the first Sunday, first Sunday of June. Welcome to the first Sunday of June. Isn't it amazing how quickly things have gone? We've had some wonderful, wonderful prayer meetings for the revival. Looking forward to it. So the revival is upon us, finally. You know that uh, things are going to start happening when the devil starts fighting. So on Tuesday evening, our interns, come on up here, interns. On Tuesday evening, our interns came into town and uh, we took them to the ministry house. And it's 80 degrees and climbing in there. And there was no air conditioning. That was the first battle we had to fight. I'm going to introduce them to you. I'm going to just give them, give you their names, and you can see their faces, and then you can get to know them a little bit. Over here, we have Mr. Grant, unless you're talking to Miss Sue, it's Grant, so you can call him however you want. Then we have Caleb, and then we have Drew, and I'm going to let you get to know them uh, this week as they're here. You guys can go on back down. Thank you. Uh, they'll be around find, getting a chance to meet you. They've introduced themselves on Wednesday. Uh, twice already. So this is the last introductions that they have. The rest of it is just the grunt work of getting to know them. The grunt work, grunt work of getting to know them. But anyway, um, then on Thursday, uh, we're over here and Melody calls and says, uh, there's a buzzer noise outside the front of the house, which means our sewer pump is no longer pumping. So, uh, so we spent 5000 of your dollars to get air conditioning to these guys because we didn't want them to uh, lose all that weight and sweat. And then we spent 6000 of your dollars on uh, two, Thursday to be able to pump the sewer from my house to where it needs to go. And uh, we appreciate you letting us do all of that. Uh, that's already budgeted, budgeted in the fact that we've got a maintenance budget, but we don't anticipate to have those big hits. But you know the devil's fighting, right? So then on, on Friday, um, Pastor Brett says, hey, I just want to let you know um, Beckham's not been feeling good. We've spent all night in the, in the emergency room. They've been on vacation uh, with his, parent, his family and all night in the emergency room. Uh, if he's better in the morning, we're going to take off and try to get back here so we can be back for the revival. Uh, so they treated him. He's got some kind of uh, bronchitis, maybe a lung infection of some sort. They've ruled out RSV and those kinds of things. But anyway, they said if he has to have this abuterol more than every two hours, you probably need to see your doctor. So on the way home, it was every hour and a half, every hour and a half as they're driving nine hours home. Uh, so when they got home, they called their doctor. Their doctor said, Riley, they admitted him to Riley Hospital early this morning. So um, they're going to keep him there today to observe him, maybe get him home tomorrow. But Pastor Brett and Miss Janelle will not be here today, so pray for Beckham. So you know, I mean, you know, the, the Lord is trying to do something when the devil is just fighting so hard. It's called revival. We're excited about all kinds of different things going on with revival. We've already had the split session. I don't know what the ladies was like, but man, if you missed it, guys, unfortunately it wasn't recorded, so it just was fantastic. Uh, we have audio available if you want to get that CJD. That would be great. 
then we uh, have meals starting tomorrow night, 6 o'clock through, uh, every night through Friday, 6 o'clock to 6.45, the kitchen closes at 6.45. need to talk to you a little bit about the meals, get myself out of the way for this one time today or this week. Uh, first of all, uh, we can't fit all of you in that fellowship hall at the same time. So, you know, kind of when you come in, you eat. If you want to fellowship after you eat, then we would ask you to step out of the fellowship hall and do your fellowshipping someplace else so that the next people can have an actual seat to sit down and eat. That would just be helpful. We would appreciate it. Uh, then we still need some help with cleanup. So our teenagers are actually having a, a, the refresh time every night after the service like we do. Cold Wars, great time. Uh, I'll tell you about that a little bit later about uh, how I felt, felt about that when it started. But anyway, it's, God's always used it. It's been fantastic. But um, so if you happen to be a parent of a teenager, you're going to be kind of hanging around waiting for the teenagers to get done anyway. We could use help in just getting ready for the next day. Uh, so that means emptying trash bags, making sure the tables aren't just gloppy with stuff. And, uh, you know, if we have to vacuum, we'll vacuum. But uh, it's pretty quick and easy. It really is about 15 minutes of work, but, it, you know, many hands make light work. You know how that is. So uh, if you can help us out there, that would be fantastic as well. The meals... The what's being served are on the walls out here. You can take a look at that each night. Uh, we always have uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for those who just don't like food. Uh, and um, <laughs> anyway, I don't know what to say there. Uh, let's see. Let's go on. Teen camp campaign. Is this the last day? This is the last day for you to do this to help out. So what you do is you figure out how old you are. If you don't know, ask your kids. They know. Trust me. They'll tell you. They'll probably add some years to it, but but you've earned it if you've raised your kids. So uh, anyway, you take how old you are, put it in the envelope, drop that in there marked as teen camp, and we use that to let the teens earn money. They can work and earn money uh, to get to camp, so that will help us out. We have 41 teenagers going uh, to camp this year, so it's an exciting time. And uh, then uh, Vacation Bible School is almost upon us. It's uh, two weeks from today. Two weeks from today is Vacation Bible School, uh, Father's Day, June 18th. That's ages three to six. If you're involved, you already know. If you're not uh, involved and want to find out about CJD, or you can go to spdnd.org slash Vacation Bible School, VBS. And then we have a wedding shower coming up for Charity Myers. There should be an S on that. Uh, Charity Myers is on Sunday, June 25th, so that's three weeks from today. Uh, John and Charity are getting married in August. Looking forward to that time. So they are... They're registered at Amazon and Walmart. See Cheryl Norwalt if you would like to get involved in a group gift. And uh, so that's all the information there for that. Missionaries of the week are Luke and Charlotte Crockett. Uh, they're in Mauritius, and uh, how they got to Mauritius is a whole other story. Uh, but they have a, ch a church retreat, electing leadership, and creating some of the necessary church documents, such as our statement of faith, covenant, and constitution, has been an arduous but necessary task. We wanted to make sure... Uh, our people and leadership clearly understood the purposes behind these documents and the importance of what was in them. Uh, so they began that at the beginning of May, so pray for them as they finish up those documents and, and actually officially become a church there in Mauritius as they're ministering to the Lord there. All right, let's go to the Lord and let us have the men come forward. I'm sorry, let's have the men come forward. We'll take up the morning offering and we'll let Mr. Devin, who is a new homeowner. As of last night, not quite yet. Okay, well, at least the doors have been opened for that possibility. So praise the Lord for that. Would you ask God's blessing on the offering? And on the Heavenly Father, you're so good to us, Lord, and we ask that you would uh, bless this offering this morning. You give to us liberally with our 
our skills and our talents that we can use to provide for our families, Lord. I just pray that we would give that back to you and the uh, furtherance of the ministry. We pray for the Crockett's in their ministry, Lord. We uh, just ask you to put a, a special hand of blessing on them as they uh, minister across the world. And uh, Lord, we just ask you to do something special uh, uh, this week in our, in our lives and in our hearts uh, to draw us closer to you in this week. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
sing a rendition of Holy, 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 and we'll invite you to join us uh, halfway through the song, and uh, we'll sing that together the first verse two times through. Revelation chapter 4, verse 5 says, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had the face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Yeah. 
together. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all my words shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed serve a holy God. He is pure, he is awesome, and we're going to praise him for that. So I know Jason has had you sit down, but you know what? We're going to get our exercise. It's June, it's summer, right? We've got to get you know, ready for being outside. So let's stand again. We're going to sing one of our previous hymns of the month uh, that we've enjoyed. We'll sing together, May Jesus Be Praised. When morning hills the skies, my heart awaking cries, may Jesus Christ be praised. I heaven and pray to Jesus I prepare. May Jesus Christ be praised. May Jesus. 
opportunity for scripture reading. Thirteen verses seventeen through twenty-five. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. Pray for us, for we trust that we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he come shortly, I will see you. Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. May your hearts be sanctified by God's word this morning. You may be seated. Thank you, John. We're going to continue to keep praising our great God and Savior. We'll sing together, praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing over his wonderful love proclaim. Hail him, hail him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor, give to his holy name. Praise. 
next song we'll sing this morning, I will praise him. When I saw the cleansing fountain, open wide for all my sin, I obeyed the Spirit's moving when he stumbled out. satisfies. We're going to sing the first verse in the chorus, and then we'll repeat that first verse in the chorus again, as we can learn that this month. And I hope you can grasp this, that only Jesus can satisfy us. We'll sing it together.
seated. About learning that new song. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our speaker before Pastor Andrew comes for the special. But you already know Evangelist Dave Young. He's been with us several times over, and Fourth uh, of July has become a favorite time for us with you. I don't know if it's going to happen again this year, but if he's passing through, he stops by, and we've always enjoyed that. So looking forward to the week, I'm asking us and asking God to prepare our hearts. We've been asking God to prepare our hearts. Do something. I, I was saying to the men this morning, if everyone that's here in this room and in, in the overflow would just take one step of Christian growth, corporately, that, that translates into huge. I mean, that's, that's an amazing thought, that one step of Christian growth could impact our families, our church, our, our schools, our society. Just one step. Let's just ask God to do something. Brother Dave is going to come and preach to us after Andrew sings. Brother Dave, you come right on that. Jesus, draw me ever nearer as I labor through the storm. You have called me to this passage, and I'll follow though I'm warm. May this journey bring a blessing. May I rise on wings of faith, and at the end of my heart's testing, with your likeness, let me wake. Jesus, guide me through the tempest. Keep my spirit stayed and sure. When the midnight meets the morning, let me love you even more. May this journey bring a blessing. May I rise on wings of faith. And at the end of my heart's testing, with your likeness, let me wake. Let the treasures of this trial from within me as I go, and at the end of this long passage, let me leave them at your throne. May this journey bring a blessing. May I rise on wings of faith, and at the end of my heart's testing, with your likeness, let me and at the end of my heart's testing, with your likeness, let me wake. Amen. Thank you for that great song, and good morning, church family. 
sure happy you're here this morning. Lovely day outside, and y'all look good this morning, and I hope you're happy in the Lord. You ready for God's Word? Take your copy of the Bible then to the book of 1 Peter and find chapter 1. 1 Peter and chapter 1. I am Dave Young, and as you know, I've been young all my life. And uh, my wife married me so she could be young the rest of hers. And uh, we are so blessed, so happy to be with you all. And uh, most of you know I have five young'uns. And uh, they're all growing up on us now. Charity's here with us, though. Charity is our sophomore this fall, and we're down to one. Jacob's home. He's a Bible college student, but he's home right now working. He's working as an electrician, making money for college. And then my other three are married, Abby and David. Abigail is our oldest, and she and David are on staff at West Coast Baptist College. They're in California. And then my son Joshua and his wife Bethany, they have our granddaughter Ellie Joy. And uh, Ellie and her family live in Camarillo, California. And then uh, Josh is youth pastor there. And then our son Matthew, as many of you remember, Matthew, uh, who interned with you all one summer. Matthew is a youth pastor in Odenville, Alabama. And he's doing really well. And uh, you that prayed for his health, he's on the mend. He's doing better. And it uh, seems like things are really good there. They are actually looking at buying... Uh, I guess a townhouse is what it is right now. So God's just really good to them. They're doing really well. And I am happy to be with you all. I hope you're happy I'm here. Thank you, four of you. And uh, we're so happy for that. 1 Peter chapter 1 in your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Peter, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom... Having not seen, ye love. In whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Can I read you a few verses in chapter 2? Look at chapter 2 if you would please. And verse 3, just a quick little verse. The Bible says, If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is, what's the word church? Say that word again. You ready? If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And then would you look down in verse 7 of chapter 2 and catch this. Just one line. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. It's an interesting word, isn't it? If I said to you this morning, how are you doing? How would you answer that question? How are you doing? Now some of you would say, doing great. It's a sunny day out there. Doing great, summer's upon us, I'm doing great, I'm healthy. I've asked that question to people all over the place, and sometimes folks just look at you in our culture like, you're talking to me? It's a strange hour, isn't it? 
But I made a list of some of the answers I've received through the years. Bethley's dad was our pastor for, uh, well, her pastor for many, many years, and my pastor for 18. He really was one of my best friends and a phenomenal preacher, phenomenal pastor, and, and just a really great guy. And I'd call dad sometimes, and I'd say, how you doing? And he would say, well, son, I'm getting old gracefully. He said that to me a lot. I'm getting old gracefully. I asked one guy one time, how are you doing? And he said, I'm finer than a frog's hair split three ways. <laughs> how many of y'all ever heard that one, have you? I have no idea what that means, but that's what he said. One guy said to me one day, I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm busier than a one-armed paper hanger with a seven-year itch. <laughs> and I have no idea where that came from either. How are you doing? Now, if I ask you this question, how are you doing? And I added a word, how are you doing spiritually? How would you answer that? How are you doing spiritually? You could say, you know what, I'm doing well financially. I hope you are. I'm doing well physically. I hope you are. You could say, you know, we're, we're doing well in our family. We're doing well in our marriage. But how are you doing spiritually? If you had asked these people to whom Peter is writing, how are you doing spiritually? My, my guess is they might have said this. How are you doing spiritually, y'all? they probably would have said, we're surviving. We're surviving. He begins by pointing out the fact that they're scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Some take that to mean that these are just believers that were saved in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. But the word scattered, the words, this idea of strangers scattered, it, it almost has the idea of, of, of believers of the dispersion. And, and most Bible commentators believe that these are people that have had to flee where they lived because of the trials and, and difficulties and challenges of being a believer in that generation. In, in other words, you could say it like this. this. These people are going through a tough time. This is a difficult hour for them. They live in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. Uh, not by choice. It's not like they thought, you know what, if we moved over there, we can make more money. No, they had to move over to these cities because had they stayed where they were, the persecution would have been too heavy, which is the illusion then, what Paul, uh, Peter rather, is alluding to when we get to the uh, fifth, uh, I'm sorry, to the sixth and the seventh verse, when he says to them in verse six, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, watch this, Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Does that, does that describe anybody's spiritual life? Heaviness through manifold temptations? How many of you all agree with me? This is a difficult hour. How many of you all agree with that? The world, the world seems to be falling apart. Am I the only one thinking that? Uh, what in the world is happening to our world? We are living in an hour when right is ridiculed and wrong is celebrated. It's a strange hour, isn't it? It's possible in the hour in which we live that before too long, your spirituality may come with a heavy price tag. They know this by experience. He says here, they're in heaviness through manifold temptations. And then in the seventh verse, he talks about their faith is being tried. That the trial of your faith more, being more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Think about where these folks are living. They're dispersed abroad. Some of them will never see their home again. They will never see friends again. They have had to find new jobs, new houses, new connections, and probably a new church. 
And, and here they are in the sixth verse in manifold temptations and the seventh verse in the trial of their faith. Later in First Peter in the fourth chapter, let me see if I can find it here. In the fourth chapter in verse 12, Peter writes to them, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. He says in the 13th verse, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. In other words, if I said to these folks, How are you doing spiritually? Here's their answer. We're surviving. We're surviving. Uh, brothers and sisters, I'm finding that that seems to be the answer of the church of our day. How are we doing spiritually? We're surviving. We don't know what the future holds, and we don't know what's going to happen, and we don't know where everything's headed, and we don't know what in the world's going on, but we're managing, we're, we're hanging in there, we're surviving, we're doing all right, we're, we're making it, we're paying the bills, we're surviving. But Peter wrote this book, these five chapters, to say to these dear friends of ours, we'll meet them in heaven, you know, to say to these strangers scattered abroad, you know what he's saying to them? God didn't save you just so you could survive in a messed up world. Did you know that? God didn't just save you so you could survive in a world that's falling apart and coming apart at the seams. God saved you so you could thrive. So the question, really, if you said to these folks, once they get done with this letter, how are you doing spiritually? Their answer would have been, I'm thriving. I'm thriving. I'm thriving. All is well. If God be for us, who can be against us? We don't know what the future holds, and we know there's some problems, and we're going through some darkness, and the world is upside down, and, and right is called wrong, and wrong is celebrated as right, and this is a really messed up world, but we are thriving. Did you, brothers and sisters, know that God's plan for your life is that you thrive exactly in a world like the one you're living in? Did you know that's God's plan for you? That you thrive. You teenagers... God doesn't want you to survive being a teenager. He wants you to thrive. You singles, God doesn't want you just to, to survive. He wants you to thrive. Mom and dad, God doesn't want us just to survive. He wants us to thrive. And that's the message of 1 Peter. Lord willing, Lord willing, I'm going to preach to you every day from the book of 1 Peter this coming week. And our outline is going to look like this. We're going to talk today about knowing. How do you thrive in a world like ours? Well, we, we have to know. There's things we have to know. We're going to learn this week that we have to grow. If we're going to thrive, we have to grow. We're going to learn this week that if we're going to thrive, we have to sow. If we're going to thrive, we have to glow. And if we're going to thrive, we have to follow. So let's start today with we have to know. How many of you all want to thrive? Anybody here with me on that? How many of you all want to thrive in a world like ours where I have the blessings of God and the favor of God? The world can get dark but all is well in my life spiritually. Don't you want that in your life? I may go through trials. I may go through tragedies. I may face great sorrows and heartaches in my life, and persecution may very well come in our generation. But here's God's plan for me. God wants me to thrive. Now, how in the world can I do that? Well, here's how you do that. You've got to know, first of all, who God is. Let's just start there this morning in this first service. We have to know who God is. How many of y'all believe in God? Is that everybody here? Y'all believe in God? It's reasonable, isn't it? It's reasonable. The world you live in says that all this is an accident. You teens are aware of that, aren't you? The world is an accident. It's what the world tells us, or the, uh, the, the, the generation we live in. I'll tell you, the world's an accident. All this is just a, 
evolutionary process. It came into being by accident, and it's just happening as we move along, and who knows where we're headed, and someday we'll die, and it'll all be over. But you and I know better than that, don't we? There is a God in heaven. How many of y'all know that? And he's real. How many of y'all know that? He's real. He's real. He's real. So how do you know that? Well, go outside and look up this week. Look at the strawberry moon. Did y'all see it last night? Did y'all see the strawberry moon? You know this is the strawberry moon. How many of y'all didn't know that? See, now you learned something. Aren't you glad you came to church? Don't ask me why, because I don't know. I just know it's called the strawberry moon. But I went out last night to walk my dog, and then I said to my family, you've got to come out and look at this. Maybe here's why. Because as the moon came up last night, it had a strawberry tint to it. It kind of looked like a big strawberry up there. I don't know why they called it the strawberry moon. There's reasons you could Google it and probably get an answer. You know, if you find it on the Internet, it's you know, obviously going to be right. And uh, so just Google it. But you can look up in the stars. You know what the stars and the, the sun, the moon, you know what the sky says? There's got to be a God out there. This just happened by accident that Orion's belt is right there and always there and that the Big Dipper always points to the North Star. Is that just an accident? You can always know the direction north. If you can find the stars, you can find north. Is that an accident? Or is, in fact, there's a God? Does that testify? The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no language, there is no voice nor language where their voice is not heard. No matter where you live in the world, you can know there's a God. You can just look up in the sky and see Him. We know there's a God, but who is this God? Peter is writing to folks that are really struggling. They're barely surviving. Their faith is being tried. They are persecuted. Right is being called wrong, and wrong is being called right. And they're going through great tragedies and great trials. And yet Peter is saying to them, there is a God in heaven. You need to know him so you can thrive. That's what he's saying to them. So notice several things this morning, and uh, we'll go to lunch. I was waiting for an amen. Notice several things this morning, and we'll go to lunch. All right. So here we are. Number one, we've got to know who God is, and here He is. He is the God who knows us. He is the God who knows us. Write that down in your heart, and don't miss this. Verses 1 and 2 are uh, verses that can uh, cause a lot of debate and a lot of discussion and even get you in trouble as a Baptist preacher. Verses 1 and 2. Because Peter writes here as an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he says he's writing to these strangers that are scattered abroad. And in verse 2 he says, They're elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. The point here of the verse, first of all, is not soteriological. And I don't mean to throw that word at you unwisely or haphazardly. My point being that Peter here is not talking about their salvation. It'll help you to understand these verses if you'll, if you'll think that through. These two verses here are not explaining their salvation. He's actually writing to encourage them in the midst of their suffering. He's not trying to talk about their salvation. He's trying to talk about their suffering. And here's what he says. He says, look, I want you to know something, that, that you are elect strangers. In fact, the word elect, how many of y'all know grammar? Do you know grammar? How many of y'all love grammar? How many of y'all loved that class in school? Grammar. How many of y'all could have done without it and been happy? Anybody here? Yeah, that's kind of where I am. But I know enough grammar to look it up and examine it. 
This word elect, if you ran a Greek New Testament, you would find that the word elect in verse 2 belongs in verse 1 in the Greek language. It modifies the word strangers. So if a literal rendering would say Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the elect strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, and then he says to them, scattered according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you that he's not talking about our salvation here, but he's talking about the fact that we have a God who knows everything that is happening in our life. That's the point of these verses. We are elect strangers, he says, living in this messed up world that's falling apart. Did you know God's not caught off guard by what's going on in the world? Can I say it like that? Did you know that God's not looking down at Washington, D.C. and going, oh my goodness, what in the world am I going to do? God's not watching our political process right now and all the people throwing their hat in the ring. I've been thinking about throwing mine in. Everybody else is. I mean, everybody else might as well just jump in me. I might as well run too. In fact, I couldn't do any worse, surely. Come on, help me. That's a good place for an amen. But God's not caught off guard. See, God knows is the point of this text. God knows. In fact, God, God saved you knowing that you would live in a world like ours. And why, why, why are they scattered? God said, look, I know you're scattered abroad. I know you, but I want you to know something about that. Number one, everything happening in your life is according to my foreknowledge. I know about it. That's the point of that. I know about it. Nothing has caught me off guard. Nothing. I know about it. This Greek word foreknowledge in the text is where we get our English word prognosis. When you go to a doctor and you say, doctor, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. The doctor evaluates everything going on in your life and your body and the doctor says, here's what I think is happening, right? Now be honest. Have you ever gone to a doctor and the doctor said, here's what I think is happening and then um, he wasn't right. Does that ever happen to anybody here? Where's our doc this morning? Is he an overflow? I, I think got several doctors in the room, so you forgive me, doctors, about this. But now, now, now my son, Matthew, you all know Matthew, and uh, Matthew's, Matthew's, if you've never met Matthew, our son Matthew, you, you probably should just praise the Lord. And uh, <laughs> that's terrible. My wife just gave me a look. Y'all pray for me. Uh, Matthew's nuts. He's a crazy kid. He's the kid that kept us on our toes. He's the kid that made us laugh a lot. He kissed me one night on top of the head right before we went to bed. He's six foot three. Kissed me on top of the head one night and said, good night, Father. Sleep well. Most likely I will still love you in the morning. <laughs> See, that's my Matthew. He's just, he's a funny kid. He told me one day, he said, you know, he said, Dad, you've always been like a father to me. Well, imagine that. So that's my Matthew. Now, Matthew came to see us a year ago or so, and, and when he showed up, um, he didn't look well. And his mother said, you need to get to a doctor. You, you know this story because a lot of you prayed for him. So he goes, finally, finally agreed after he lost 62 pounds and woke up one morning with his liver failing, and he was as yellow as the sun. I mean, just yellow, just, just scary. He goes to the doctor, the doctor made a prognosis. The doctor said, you have cancer. And then he went through testing for three or four months. Prognosis said, you have cancer. 
but there was no cancer, never found any. So then the prognosis came back and said, all right, you have to have a, you apparently have an autoimmune disease, and eventually you, we think you have this rare autoimmune disease, and probably if you do, eventually you're going to have to have a liver transplant. So the prognosis. And so we scheduled him, they scheduled him to see a liver specialist who eventually came in after nine months, finally got to see the liver specialist. He wound up in UAB hospital, very sick, with IVs everywhere and antibiotics being pumped into his body, and their, his you know, system is shutting down, and the, the liver specialist decided to come see him early. He wasn't supposed to see her for another month. He had a schedule, but she came to see him, looked through all the information, and said, well, my goodness, you don't have cancer, and you don't have an autoimmune disease. You simply have an infected gallbladder. And so they removed it, and he's back to his old self. Well, mostly. We, we, were, we were open. Maybe that, okay, let's just let it go there. Um, now, here's the whole deal. A prognosis in our thinking can be an iffy thing. Now, you know, okay, now, now we train people and we spend thousands and thousands of dollars and hours of study to make wise prognosis, right? It's foreknowledge is the word prognosis. How many of y'all praise God for this, that God Almighty never gets it wrong? He knows, he's in charge, he's good, he's God, he's able. There's nothing happening in your life by accident. Did you know that? Nothing. There's nothing happening in our world that's caught God off guard and, 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 and God doesn't know what to do about it. No, God knows you and I live in a world that is falling apart. God knows we're living in a world where evil is called good and good is, 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 is called evil. God knows everything happening and God knows all the persecution that potential, potentially is coming our way. And what he writes to the people here in First Peter is so encouraging. What he writes to them is, I just want you to know that I'm the God who knows. You're elect according to my foreknowledge. I know everything going on in your life. Y'all know that, don't you? You can fool me, is that right? Can't fool God, right? See, God knows everything. I can fool you, but I can't fool God. God knows what we do. He knows what we do not do. He knows why we do what we do. He knows why we do not do what we do not do. He knows what we would do if we could get by with it. Is that right? He knows what we would not do if we didn't have to. See, God just knows everything. And the point of this passage is, he's writing to these dear believers. We don't know any of their names. They're scattered abroad, chosen strangers in the world in which they live. Chosen based on what God knows. That's what he's saying here. I know everything happening in your life, and I've, I've chosen you to thrive. Look what he says in verse 2. I want you to be sanctified through my spirit. What do you do in a world, a world that's falling apart? You keep doing what's right. You let the spirit of God work in your heart so you can become more like Jesus than you ever have. Anybody here arrived? I'm, I'm talking about you're as spiritual as it's possible to be outside of a glorified body. Anybody here there? Anybody here made it? I mean, anybody here like, you know what? <clears throat> if it's possible, I'd be a fourth person in the Trinity. Any, anybody here feel like you've arrived that high? That You've gone that? No. Pa Pastor said to us today, didn't he? You, you caught that, didn't you? He said all of us ought to take a spiritual step this week. How many of y'all know there's at least a spiritual step in your life you could take this week if you chose to do so? Is that right? 
And here's what he says in our text. He says, you need to know this God. Uh, he knows everything going on. He's the God who knows. Get to know him. He's the God who knows everything going on in your life. Uh, you, you are chosen for such a time as this. That's the point of these verses. You are elect for such a time as this. According to my foreknowledge, I know everything going on. You are chosen by me to be scattered abroad so you can be sanctified through the Spirit, so that you can be obedient, and so that the blood of Jesus Christ can be sprinkled. That's the point here. The point is that God is the God who knows us. He's the Spirit who sanctifies us. He's the Savior who cleanses us from our sins so we can live in obedience to Him. That's God's plan for your life. Brothers and sisters, let's not just survive. Let's thrive. Let's be happy, joyful, amazing believers in a generation like ours. Isn't that weird how he says this in verse 6? Isn't that weird? Did you find verse 6 odd or was that just me? He says, wherein you greatly rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. He said, although, 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 for this season you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. I'm sorry, those two things don't seem to go together. Am I the only one thinking that? Hey, be happy about this. Just get all happy. Rejoice. You know why? Because you're going through some real heaviness through manifold temptations. Am I the only one that thinks that's a little weird? Come on, am I the only one? If y'all don't help me out, we're going to be here through lunch. Am I, am I the only one? No, this, this, this doesn't make sense, doesn't it? What in the world is he trying to say? He's trying to say to us here, brothers and sisters, that there is a God in heaven that knows everything happening in our lives. Why would we not thrive in a world like this? God chose us to live in this world at this time for this purpose. Why? So we could be sanctified. So we could be obedient to him. We've been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus so we can obey God. He's going to tell us later here as we study this book together what's going on in this world like ours. God saved you and put you here so you could give an answer to every person that asks a hope, ask a reason for the hope that is in you. God has a plan. He knows. Don't you older folks, don't you older folks get discouraged. It's, you know, as you get older, sometimes you look at the world and you think, what in the world is happening? But don't let your older years become your colder years. Don't let your older years become your colder years. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to succeed. And how do you do it? Well, you've got to know who he is. He's the God who knows. He's the spirit who sanctifies. He's the Savior who cleanses us from our sins so we can live in obedience to him. Did you catch what he said in the second chapter in those two verses? Who is our God? He is gracious. That's a great word. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That word tasted implies experience, doesn't it? Experience. Tasted is experience. You can say, you know what? That banana pudding looks good. But there's a whole different ballgame in tasting. Experience makes a difference, doesn't it? Years ago, we were in this church in the South. If one person said this, this to us, probably a dozen people did. They said, hey, has sister so-and-so made you her red velvet cake? If one person said that to us, a dozen people did. All week long. Has sister so-and-so made you her red velvet cake? I remember the day she did. 
We were sitting down for lunch when a big white Lincoln Town car pulled up beside our RV. This older man gets out with a glass-covered cake thing. I remember that. Comes to our door. Sister so-and-so made us her red velvet cake. We put it on the counter. We had our lunch. It was beautiful. It was beautiful cake. Beautiful. We had our lunch, and then we decided to have our dessert. My wife sliced us all a piece, served all of us at the table. We all sat down. Our, our deal was, as a family, we are trying to train the kids in manners, you know, so we don't take a bite until mom does. So we're all sitting here at the table trying to train the boys to be gentlemen. Everybody got your cake? All right, mom's ready. You ready? We all, we're all ready to eat our red velvet cake. How many of y'all like red velvet cake? Anybody hungry? And, and we all take a bite at the same time. And, and it, was, it was unusual. <laughs> it really was. We all, we all, you know, it looked so good. We all took a bite and we're like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how to describe it except to say it like this. Maybe the closest you could get to experiencing that red velvet cake, that one, was to go to Walmart and go back into the laundry section where they sell irons and ironing boards and buy you a thing of mothballs <laughs> and put one in your mouth. Am I wrong, love? Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. It's the truth. It was, it was so beautiful and the grossest thing I ever had in my mouth in my life. All I can figure is, bless her sweet little old heart, is she apparently put mothballs in with her flour. Somehow it got the flavor of mothballs, and I'm just telling you, it was horrible. And then we had to go to church and answer the question. How'd you like it? And we thought all afternoon about that one. You know, how we don't want to be offensive. We worked at that, didn't we, love? How are we going to answer that? And so what we answered was, I must say, that was some cake. No dishonesty. We meant every word of it. That was some cake. How many of y'all know that experience changes everything? Isn't that right? You, ever, you, ever, you remember before you have children, you'll say things like this. Before you have kids, you'll say, let's tell you right now, I wouldn't put up with that for five minutes. We say dumb things like that before we have kids, don't we? I wouldn't put up with that for five That's my kid. I wouldn't put up with that for five minutes. And then you get married and have kids and find out, you're right, you won't put up with it for five minutes. You'll put up with it for 19 years. <laughs> Is that right or wrong? See, because experience changes the whole ballgame. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever experienced that the Lord is gracious? This is the God He wants you to know in a, in a world like ours. This word gracious is the same word you find when Jesus said these words. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy. It's the same word translated gracious in chapter 2 and verse 3. When Jesus tells the story, remember he talks about wineskins, and he says the old is better. That's the same Greek word gracious. When the Bible says he is kind, 
Same Greek word, gracious. The goodness of God leads a man to repentance. That word goodness, same word gracious. Be ye kind one to another. Be ye kind. Same word here, gracious. And the word is tasted. God wants you to experience his graciousness. Church, how long has it been since God was that real in your life? Since you were close to him experiencing him you knew his voice you heard his word and it warmed your heart you walked with him you were on fire for him you loved him whom having not seen Peter says ye love never seen Jesus this is my 30th year traveling and telling people about a man named Jesus whom I've never seen, never shaken his hand. I've never physically had a meal with him, but I love him. You know why I love him? Because I've tasted that he is gracious. What a way to live. Teenagers, hear me this morning, hear me. What a way to live. There's a real God who is alive, in charge, knows everything, and cares about you. What a way to live. Moms and dads, is it hard to raise a family in this world? Yes, it is. But what a way to live. A Christian pursuing God and getting to know God and walking with God and having God's blessings in your life. If so be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. What's he trying to say here? God doesn't want us to survive in this dark world. God wants us to thrive. How do you do that? Well, you got to get to know this God. you got to walk with him and love him and know that he's gracious and experience that. Put him first in your life. Honor him with your life. Pursue him with your life. Walk with him and love him and talk to him and get to know him. He's real. Am I making sense this morning? you got to know this guy. He says, when we're thinking about him, and my time is gone. In the seventh verse, he says, unto you therefore which believe he is precious. Now this word, this word's hard for me. This word is hard for me, and the reason it's hard for me is because of the way we use it. You know what I mean by that, don't you? We'll say, oh my word, that's just so precious. Uh, you, you know what I mean by that? My grandmother, my granny young, who was a man's man, <laughs> she was, a, she was a, a tough woman, is what I'm trying to say. She could whip any guy I've ever met. I mean, she was just this, a tough woman, mountain woman. I, I'm, I'm talking, you know, a big lady, strong as a mule, had 10 children, cooked on an open fire. She, was a, she carried a pistol, went to jail for shooting at her daughter-in-law, uh, I'm not joking. That's the absolute truth. She is a rough woman. My granny young, tough as nails. You could even say mean as the devil. That's my granny young. She's a rough woman. She got her a dog when I was a kid, and she named her dog Precious. It was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. My granny, who was as rough as, as all get out, would talk to that dog like this. Oh, that's my, oh, Precious. Come here, Precious. My, my dad even said, 
I don't know what's gotten into that woman. <laughs> Precious. So I struggle with this word. This is what I read. This. Unto you therefore which believe he is. Precious. I, I confess that, that word caught me off guard. So I had to do a little research on it. And, and, and check it out here. This word is not emotion. That's how we use it. This word is value. It's precious. We would say as a precious metal. We could translate it with the word value or price or honor. How many of you know that having Jesus is something valuable? You see, I'm done. He's the one who saves us from our sins. Don't ever get over that. I'm a sinner just like you are. For all have and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Yet 2,000 years ago, this Savior, Jesus, God Himself, Deity, the Bible says He humbled Himself and became a man. He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Bible says, Who His own self bare our sins in His own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned every one to his own way. But the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know why Jesus is valuable, precious? Because he died for our sins so that through him we could be forgiven of all of our sins and have eternal life. He's precious. He's valuable. Jesus is something valuable. He saves us from our sins. He secures our salvation. I'm not saved because I'm a preacher. It's not that I keep myself saved. Did you know that if your salvation was up to you, you couldn't get saved? Did you know that? And if your salvation was up to you, you couldn't stay saved. Did you know that? Y'all, You're aware of that, aren't you? Because y'all are just a bunch of sinners. How many of y'all know that? It's, it's, come on, is this right or wrong? How many of y'all are married? You married a sinner. Did you all know that? You have children. You gave birth to a sinner. Did you know that? You brought a sinner. Into th We're all sinners. And yet aren't you glad that God is the one who keeps us by his power? I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved. If you're not saved, you can be. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You can be saved. And if you are saved, rejoice in the fact that your God, your God, is able to keep you saved. He is the God with that kind of power. Rejoice in that. And the list could go on and on. I need to close. He sets us free from the power and penalty of sin. That's precious, isn't it? He shows us a better way to live in the midst of a messed up, struggling world. And that's precious, isn't it? So I've come to this first service of our revival to say to you all this morning, this is a week for us to thrive. This is a week for us to say, okay, God, I'm looking at your word. I'm going to your word this week. I'm going to take a spiritual step this week. I'm going to grow in you this week. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look to your word this week. I'm going to let you work in my heart this week because I don't want to just survive in a crazy, messed up world like ours. I want to thrive. That's God's plan. And some of you this morning ought to, ought to take the time to pray in an invitation because for some of you in this very room, it really has been a long time since you have thrived spiritually you're surviving but God doesn't want you to stay there 
Some of you teens, some of you young adults are surviving. But God wants you to thrive. And you've got to start by knowing who he is. He's a great God, isn't he? He's real, isn't he? He cares about us, doesn't he? He knows where we are, doesn't he? He knows this messed up world, doesn't he? He put us here for a time just like this, didn't he? Then let's thrive in a world like ours. Now, if there's any chance at all you came to Southeast Baptist Tabernacle today and you don't yet know you're going to heaven, this God we're talking about really is that real and really is that good. And his son really did die for your sins and he was buried and was raised from the dead. If you'll believe on him this very day, he will take away your sins and give you eternal life. We'd love to pray with you about it. You can pray by yourself about it. But the Bible says if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. If you'll take Jesus Christ, turn to Jesus Christ, trust in Jesus Christ, call on Jesus Christ, turn to him, believe on him, he'll save you from sin and hell and give you everlasting life. Jesus is better. He's precious. Let's stand together, shall we? My wife's going to come and play this morning, if that's all right, just as I am, without one plea. She's just going to come. So all of you, would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? An invitation, friends, is a time for prayer. How many of you would say, David, already as we start this revival week, I feel God speak into my heart in the world we live in that's so messed up. I can honestly say, Dave, I want to thrive. Would you slip your hand up if that's your heart's desire? I want to thrive. I really do. And I'd raise my hand with you. God bless you. Is there anybody here now who would say, Dave, I already know the spiritual step that God is wanting me to take this week. I already know the spiritual step God is wanting me to take this week. So I want you to pray with me about it. I already know what it is. Let me see your hand this morning. I already know the spiritual step I ought to take. God bless so many of you. And get right at it. How many of you would say, Dave, I don't yet know the spiritual step God wants me to take, but I am willing, and when God shows me, I'm going to take it. Let me see your hands. Can I see those? And God bless each of you. One, my, one final question. Is there anybody standing who would say, hey, Dave, I'm going to tell you flat out, I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven. Got a lot of questions in my heart, a lot of things I don't understand, but I know down in my heart that there's a God. I know that. And I would like to know him and be right with him and follow him. I need to be saved. I may not be able to define that word, Dave, but I need that in my life, and I want that. I want to know I'm going to heaven, that I'm right with God, that I know God, and that he's real to me. Pray with me about it. Can I see your hand? I just point it out and pray for you. That's all. I won't call your name. I want to know that I'm saved. Anybody at all? All right, then, church family, I want you to pray while she plays, would you? An invitation is a time for prayer. So Bethany's going to hit the first note. You pray at your seat. You can kneel and pray if you want. But this is a time for prayer. So everybody here, say, God, help me this week to thrive. In a greater way than I ever have, help me to thrive. Help me not just to survive, Lord. I want to thrive. Help me. Cry out to God. Secondly, pray about that spiritual step that you already know you ought to take. And the one you don't yet know, but you're willing to take, pray about that.
And now listen, if you came to church burdened, something heavy in your heart, take a verse here to pray about that. Whatever's in your heart that's weighing on you, God cares, so pray about it. So just pray about that. So one more thing to pray about. Any burdens, concerns, and heaviness in your heart, pray about it. sing just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me we'll just sing one verse and pastor will come so just the first verse just as I am without one plea all right everybody sing it with me here we go just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Brothers and sisters, how are you doing? And it begins, so this is the beginning of our revival week. Already God's been doing some work, obviously, so we appreciate that. Look forward to tonight, 6 o'clock, and then tomorrow, everything takes off during the week, looking forward to all of those different things. Anything I'm supposed to be announcing that uh, I'm leaving out? The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. You are dismissed.